0: Hello, this is Terry Cheek, pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in Marion, North Carolina. I want to thank you for choosing our broadcast, and my prayer is that it will be an encouragement to your walk with the Lord. Comments or questions can be directed to me via the link on our sermon audio page. Now, on to your selection. Luke chapter 12, and I'm going to begin reading with verse 41 today. Luke chapter 12 and verse 41. As we begin looking ahead at Christmas, and we're just a few weeks away from that right now, I want us to take a look this morning at a subject that gets a lot of attention, but I'm afraid many times it doesn't get all of the attention that it deserves, and that's stewardship. Stewardship. We're going to look at uh, uh, uh we're going to look at stewardship a little different this morning. We're going, we're going to get a broader perspective on it. At least I hope you do. I hope you gain a broader perspective on it. Too often, stewardship is preached and taught only in the context of giving money. And that's part of it. And we're going to cover that. But there, it goes much greater than that. There is There are things that take place well before the giving of money or the giving of anything that involves stewardship. So this morning, look with me in God's Word, Luke chapter 12, beginning with verse 41. Then Peter said unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us, or even to all? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward? whom his lord shall make ruler over his household, to give them their portion of meat in due season. Blessed is that servant, whom his lord, when he cometh shall find so doing. Of a truth I say unto you, that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. But and if that servant say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the men servant and the maid servants and to eat and drink and to be drunken. The Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and at that hour when he is not aware, and will cut him asunder, and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knoweth not, and did commit things worthy of stripes, shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. And to whom men have committed much, of him will they ask the more. May God add blessing to the reading of his word. When we start looking at this, Peter asked a question. Lord, Are you giving this parable for us, the disciples, or are you giving it to everyone? That's that's exactly what Peter asked in verse 41. Is it for just us, or is it for everyone? Now the parable that that Peter is talking about, it it goes on up into uh, the, the previous parts of chapter 12 and it is about the Lord's return and it is about some things of that nature and that's what Peter asked the question. But the Lord's response to that was something that I wanted us to look at this morning. The Lord's response to that was something very different and it was something that's very broad and very deep. And Jesus answers Peter's question with a question. He says, Who is that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household, to give them their portion of the meat in due season. Who is that person? Jesus asked him. And he specifically uses the word steward. So what is a steward? That's that's something that I want us to think about today. What? Who is a steward? What defines a steward? Well, a steward is someone who has a responsibility over part of their master's goods or their, their estate, if you will. And they have responsibilities that they have been given. And many of the people here that Jesus is talking about, the wealthy people, they had many stewards in their household. They divided their tasks up among many people. So when the Lord or the owner would leave town and he would go away on business, he would leave them responsible for their areas and then when he would come back, he would expect things to have been managed accordingly the way he gave them instructions and directions to do. And if they were not managed accordingly, then they were disciplined. That was life. Just like our jobs today. We go to work on Monday morning, we have a job to do. There are responsibilities that we have. There are expectations that our employer has. When we go in, we know what we need to do and where we need to start and begin. And we pick up and we just go and we do. And at the end of the week, if we have done well, we get paid. If we haven't done well, we get fired. That's the concept of stewardship. So how does that apply to the kingdom of God? How does that apply to serving the Lord Jesus Christ and the church and our work here? It's very broad and it covers a big area. But I'm going to try to break it down into three particular points today. First, I want us to understand that a wise steward will learn from their Bible. A wise steward will learn from their Bible today. You see, that is the that is the word that we have. When these words were written, when this scripture was written, the Lord Jesus Christ was right there in front of them. Peter asked Jesus a question. Jesus returned with a response. Well, we have all of that recorded just as good as Jesus would have been saying it to you and I. But when we think about stewardship, today stewardship of doing God's work how often do we go back and actually see what God's word our Bible has to say we we have this thing broken down into a structure of programs or into a structure of a uh, uh, of offices or things of that nature, and well the the office is this, and the office is this and and well, it's this and this, and we we get ourselves all broken in, and we're following a routine that maybe has been ingrained in us over decades and that's fine I, i'm not I'm not being critical of that, but does it line up with what God wants? Man can have all of the best intentions and put together the best thought-up plans but still miss God's Word. Still miss what God wants. When the Lord Jesus Christ was telling this to Peter and He was giving these things... He was saying first that there was a blessing. There was a blessing for those that do what His Lord commands, what His Lord wants. When we're talking about doing God's work, and we're talking about stewardship of the church, are we doing what God wants? That's a very legitimate question today. Are we doing what God wants? Now we can come down to this, and we say, "Well, well, we're doing this, and we're being nice to people, and we're being polite, and we're trying not to hurt nobody's feelings, and we're trying to, uh, we're trying not to offend anyone." I guess I should say, and we, you know, we're trying to do all of this and make all of this happen. And, and God loves everyone, and Jesus loves everyone, and you know we're trying to do that. Well, great, but Jesus also said He came to deliver a sword. He came to divide. Jesus came to be controversial. That doesn't mean we are to be controversial. That doesn't mean we are to start trouble. But it means that we are to look for what God wants. And that's where we should put our emphasis on what God wants. Not what the world wants. Not what the political systems want. Not what a denomination wants what God wants. So what does God want? God wants people to give their soul to Jesus Christ. God wants a relationship with every person that He has created. God wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with your children. He wants a relationship with your grandchildren. He wants a relationship with the young and with the old. God wants a relationship And the only way we get that relationship is through Jesus Christ. You see, everything else falls into a proper perspective and into a proper priority when we get the relationship right. When we get the right relationship with God through Jesus Christ, all of those other things fall into a right perspective. But without that relationship, we have no hope of being a good steward. We have no hope of being a wise steward without that relationship. That is where our wisdom comes from. That is where our effort comes from. That is where our direction comes from. From that relationship. And we're guided into that relationship by God's Word. The work that we do in the church, the offices that we hold in the church should be guided by that relationship through God's Word. The work that I do as a pastor should be guided by my relationship in Jesus Christ through God's Word. Anything that we do in life should be guided through our relationship with God through Jesus Christ through God's Word. Why? Because the good steward, the wise steward serves their Lord and for us for the Christian that means we serve the Lord Jesus Christ now we go back into Matthew's gospel and we read in chapter 28 verses 18, 19, 20 in that area about the great commission and it is a great commission that was not just charged to those few people there it was charged to the entire church we are to Go. We are to go. We are to take the gospel and we are to move it forward in the culture and in the society and in the community that we live in. That's simple enough. That is the marching orders of Jesus. And if we are going to be a wise and a fruitful steward, Of Jesus Christ. We will have to take His gospel, His word, and we will have to be moving it forward. So the question then comes to you and I today, what are we doing to move the gospel? What are we doing to tell others about Jesus? We live it, and make no mistake, the best testimony you will ever have is your life. The best testimony you will ever have is the way you live in front of other people. Because the way you live in front of other people outside of the church, the way you live in front of other people in Walmart, in the grocery store, the way you live in front of other people in the movie theater, that is your testimony. When you go to a restaurant, Maybe this afternoon when church is over, maybe you're going to go out and eat. Maybe maybe it will be McDonald's. I'm sure the children would love that. They seem to be really big on McDonald's this morning. And that's great. But whether it is McDonald's or some other fast food restaurant or a nice sit-down restaurant, wherever it is, what kind of testimony will you be giving those around you of the Lord Jesus Christ. How will you be treating those that will be serving you? Will they be able to see Jesus Christ? When they walk away, when you're finished with your meal and you get up and you walk away, will they see Jesus Christ in you? Or will they be saying, boy, I'm glad that person's gone. And it's the same way when we're in the presence of anyone. We serve the Lord by being His witness. By being His body. By being His hands outstretched to those around us. When we are talking with people that maybe we disagree with in a lifestyle setting. Maybe we disagree with the way that they live or the lifestyle that they lead Are we trying to create a conflict? Are we trying to strong arm them into a church pew? Or are we simply living a life and telling them a story of what Jesus done in your life and what He can do in theirs? That may not sound like much, but that goes a long way. Jesus Christ shared with love and with conviction. Jesus Christ shared with the reality of what can be changed in a, and how a person's life can be changed. It can go a lot farther than trying to strong-arm someone. Does that mean there are no consequences? Oh no, not at all. Refusing Jesus Christ has consequences. It has eternal consequences. We have to be aware of those. That's why it is so important that we do what we do out of service to God because we love Him and because He loves those that are in front of us and those that we are charged to take His gospel to because there are eternal consequences to the decisions that they make. For them to reject Jesus Christ is for them to condemn themselves to an eternity in hell. That's strong. That's strong. But it's true. Jesus doesn't condemn anyone. People condemn themselves. Jesus restores us. Jesus renews us. We are redeemed through the blood of Christ when we come to Him. We are redeemed from that fallen nature and from that condemnation that we already had. We are redeemed from that to an eternal life. And for us to reject Jesus is to reject that redemption which means we we condemn ourselves because of our fallen nature. Do we really want our friends, our family members, our loved ones, do we really want them going down that road? When God has gifted us and God has prepared us with the marching orders to go and to carry the gospel into the community around us, and He has even equipped us to do so. How are we going to handle that? Are we going to be the wise steward that does what our Lord tells us to do? Or are we going to be the disobedient one? We're going to look more at that as I close, but there's one more point I want us to look at. A wise steward gives a wise steward gives to share the salvation found in their Bible this is where most stewardship messages come and they go through the giving but I wanted you to see this morning there's a purpose for that giving there's a purpose for it you see here in this church this church is, it functions just like your household every month You have to pay the power bill or you don't have the lights. Every month you have to pay the heating bill or you don't have the heat. Every month you have needs and expectations and obligations to pay or or you don't have those things. This morning you don't come to church unless you have gas in the gas tank. Those are common sense things. And the church, the local church functions the very same way. But beyond those things, we have to have our lights on, our power on. We have to have the heating taken care of. We have to have all of those things to function and open as a building. And I think we all realize that. But beyond that, when we are talking about taking the gospel out into this community, that requires resources. That requires time. A good steward not only will open their checkbook and provide the resources to carry the gospel, but a good steward will provide their time to be the feet that carries those resources. To just sit back and say, yes, we need to do this, and then walk away and not be the feet that carry it forward is just as bad as not giving anything. It's just as bad as not writing the check. If God's gifted you with a vision to move something forward, then God has given you that vision and He has given you the feet to move it forward. He's given you the calling. The calling. And if you prayerfully follow Him and prayerfully look for Him, He will anoint that calling and He will empower you and He will give you the direction that you go in. And there are plenty of wise counsel in the church to help move that forward with you and for you. But are you the steward that God wants you to be? Are you the one that's willing to say, yes, Lord, here I am. I am your good and I am your wise steward and I want to be your fruitful steward. You see, Jesus' story and His answer to Peter says of that truth, I say unto you that He will make Him ruler over all that He hath. Those that want to be a wise steward will go a long way in God's kingdom doing God's work. Not because they want to be praised and glorified, because they want to see God praised. They want to see God glorified. They want to see people Brought to Jesus Christ. They want to see souls saved. They want to be a part of that. They want to be a part of that saving grace, a part of that saving experience. They want to be the ones who deliver that gospel, who point people to Jesus Christ. And what happens to those who don't take stewardship seriously? Well, beginning in verse 45, Jesus uses that word, but. It is that word that takes you in an opposite direction. But if that servant says in his heart, my Lord delays, He's not coming today. He, I don't have to worry about dealing with Him today. I will do it tomorrow. How often do we take God's work And do we say, yeah, it needs to be done, but I'll do it tomorrow. Or I'll think about it. Or, well, nobody else takes it seriously, so why should I? How often do we put it aside and just take a, just take a, well, I'll do it later attitude? Procrastination. How often do we procrastinate in doing God's work? Because what happens, we get a very good picture here of what happens when we procrastinate. First of all, we become combative. He says, then shall they begin to beat the men's servant and the man servant. We become combative to fellow servants. We become argumentative We become frustrated. It's never my fault. If they wouldn't do what they do, I wouldn't feel the way I feel. It's always somebody else's fault. We have procrastinated so long That we realize the convictions that we have and we realize that it is wrong and we realize that we're not where we're supposed to be but it's not my fault, it's somebody else's fault. Not me, them. And we've always got something else to do. He talks about and to eat and to drink. We've always got somewhere to go. We've always got something to do. We've always got something in our life when we procrastinate, we've got something in our life that's more important. Something that's just more important to me. I would rather be, well, you know, I'm hungry. I'll go get something to eat and then I'll talk about doing it. And then I go get something to eat and man, that was such a good meal. That was such a big meal. I'm just, I'm just so full. I don't feel like doing anything. I got to have a nap. And then after I have a nap, then it's, well, you know, I overslept. So now I just don't have time to do it. I hope you realize I'm just giving an analogy here of what's going on, but the point is that when we procrastinate on doing God's work and on doing God's will in our life, we're not being a wise steward of what He has called us to do. We wind up becoming very selfish, we wind up becoming very self-centered, and we go on to become drunken. Now, I'm not saying that you go out and that you visit the bars and that you have a few too many. That may be the literal intent of Jesus' words, but what that's implying is that we become giddy. We become full of ourselves. It no longer becomes things that we see as more important or things that, well, I have to do this for me or I have to do this, but now we come to a point of it's we're doing what we want to do. I I really shudder to think that churches are sitting full this morning of people who have came in and, and their mindset is I'm going to go in and I'm going to fellowship and I'm going to meet and greet people that I haven't seen all week and I'm going to shake some hands I'm going to hug some necks I'm going to tell them how glad I am to see them and then I'm going to go home in time to catch the ball game and that's where my heart and my intent is going to be, or maybe the car race, or maybe maybe just sit back in the recliner and crash, or whatever it may be, they're drunken. Spiritually, they're drunken. They may hear the Word of God, they may experience the moving of the Holy Spirit, but it doesn't get them out of that rebellion. It doesn't get them out of that procrastination. So what are we going to do about our stewardship? We know from verses 46 through 48 that there are going to be consequences. God is going to have consequences for our stewardship. I don't say that to scare you. I don't say that to try to strong arm you. I say that to warn you so that we are prepared and we know. How are we facing stewardship today? Are we going to be that person of verses 41 through 44 who is blessed? Who becomes and experiences the blessings of God because we are that wise and faithful servant? Or are we going to be the servant of verses forty two? I'm sorry, verses of verses forty five through forty eight. The steward who suffers the consequences. We see in verse 46, this person will be appointed his portion with the unbelievers. So there will be suffering. There will be consequences to pay. It doesn't mean you will become an unbeliever. It doesn't mean you will lose your salvation. But it means that you will suffer some consequences we have to face this and we have to face it realistically when we're talking about being good stewards of what God has given us it is much more than just building a bank account and how we spend the money out of that bank account it is how we put those things to work and how we reach people with Jesus Christ what we buy how we use it how we take our talents and our gifts of God and how we carry them out into the community What do we do to reach those that are lost and undone with Christ? What do we do? Where is our heart? Are we really concerned about people who need Jesus? That's a good stewardship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus first. If we put Jesus first, then the Word of God will guide us through the rest if we are saved and we commit ourselves to His direction, if we commit ourselves to His work and to His purpose, if we commit ourselves to what He wants to done through the Great Commission, then His Word will serve as a roadmap and take us where we need to be. And yes, we will have to walk by faith many times. But we are those resources. We are the resource that He will use to get there. God could open up a bank account and he could dump money in it from nowhere if he wanted to. But what would that do with our faith? When God can take our measly offerings and work miracles through them, that's what he wants to do. But he needs wise and faithful and fruitful servants. Is that who we are? If not, Why not? That's where we need to be. That's where I need to be. That's where all of us need to be today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father and Lord God, I thank you so much for the privilege of opening your word and sharing it. And Lord, I pray today that I would be a wise and faithful steward. And I pray that the convictions and the work and the efforts and the things that you do through me will be done to lead others to Christ, that they would be fruitful, that it would be fruitful in leading other people to Christ. And Lord, I pray that it would be an example for others to follow as well. Lord, there's a great need in our community. Your word says the field are white, but the workers are few. I pray that you would raise up workers. I pray that you would raise up workers for your will, for your purpose, to lead others to Jesus Christ. Lead God and direct us in everything we do and say. We'll be careful to praise, honor, and glorify you. In Jesus' name I ask this. Amen.